0: Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew in the 17th chapter. Just before we meet this morning's scripture lesson, Jesus is talking with the disciples. And Jesus asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? And the disciples respond with answers like Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Simon Peter, the bold one he speaks up and he tells Jesus that he thinks that Jesus is the Messiah. And in Matthew's version of this story, Jesus commends Simon Peter and calls him the rock upon which the church of Jesus Christ will be built. Jesus then tells all of the disciples gathered around to keep quiet about this revelation of Peter's, to keep quiet about his role as the Messiah, that the time will come when everything will... And then Jesus goes on to explain what was going to happen in the next few days and weeks. Jesus told them that he would have to suffer and that he would have to die. He told them that he would be raised on the third day. He told the disciples that in order to be his true followers, they too would end up suffering and invited them each to take up their own crosses, telling them that they may even need to go as far as giving up their lives for the beloved community of God. So you might be able to imagine upon hearing this news that there was some shock. You can picture the way that they might have gasped. The ways they might have tried to reason with Jesus that there could be another way, a less hard way or a less sorrowful way. And then Jesus' speech stops. And another chapter in Matthew's gospel story begins, which is where we meet our scripture this morning in the 17th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Six days later... Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them; His face shone like the sun and his clothes dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if you wish. I will make Three dwellings here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, this is my son, my beloved, with him I am well pleased, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and they were overcome with fear, but Jesus came and touched them, saying, get up. And do not be afraid. And they looked up, and when they did, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there are times, not many, but there are times... When following Jesus is easy, like right now, it's easy to follow Jesus right now. On most Sunday mornings when we're gathered together, when there's beautiful music from our our creative and our hardworking choir and musicians, I think of places like Montreat that's so dear to so many of us, that mountain retreat up the road that facilitates spiritual and emotional mountaintop experiences in the actual literal mountains, At those places, in those times, there are powerful messages. There's creative and powerful and inspirational worship. It's high energy and it's exciting. If only every day of following Jesus could be like a conference at Montreal Conference Center. I can tell you after bringing youth to Montreat Youth Conferences every summer for 15 years, there has not been a single time when I have not had the conversation with at least one youth as we're coming down the mountain. I wish that we could have Montreat all the time, that our worship could be just like this worship here at Montreat, that our youth group could always be this close and the weather this perfect all year long. I remember leaving the mountaintop experiences of my youth when I was at Camp Deer Run up in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. I remember wishing that my friends would not be so far away, that my camp life would somehow transform into my everyday life. And as I cried, as we drove away in the back seat of my parents' car at the end of every summer, my mom would turn around from the front seat And she would give me that speech that I'm sure many of you have either heard or given about how if it were like this all the time, it wouldn't mean as much. I can see the eyes of my sweet Montreat youth and their tears and saying the same thing to them. And just like my mom asked me, and every year I've had the opportunity to ask my Montreat youth, what can you do to make these moments matter? What is it about camp or about Montreat or about these mountaintop experiences that make you feel so amazing? Can you do something to make it matter when you're at home or at school or at work so it's not just a moment, but it's something more? Peter and James and John, they don't want to come down from the mountain. They're fixated on living in the moment on that mountaintop because it hadn't been that long since Jesus told them the suffering he would have to endure, and their suffering as well. That news had to be hard to hear. And with the diverse personalities of the disciples, you can imagine that each went in a different direction with that news that Jesus was giving them. Maybe some of them tried to look for alternatives. Maybe some of them looked into a way to try and figure out how to stop time. Peter, again, the bold disciple in Matthew's gospel account, wanted to build some sanctuary shelter. And like the overachiever he was, he wasn't just going to build one for Jesus, he was going to build one for Moses and one for Elijah too. Perhaps some of the other disciples held their breath, trying to stay in the moment as long as they could. Others maybe problem solved, figuring that if they could save Jesus, they could save themselves from the heartache to come might think about mountaintop experiences and something might come to mind for yourself in your own experiences. Maybe glimpse a moment in a hospital room where two people receive the worst news imaginable. Watch as the patient reaches out to assure their healthy companion that all will be well. Watch the evening news pretty much any day of the week now reflecting nothing but chaos and the brokenness of the world around, but wait until the very last story of the broadcast, which is usually something hopeful, a grateful act of healing of a broken world by caring for another person that the world would rather forget. These might not be those typical moments with blinding lights until they open our eyes to see the holy in the midst of everything. They aren't mountaintop moments until they become mountaintop moments for you. They aren't a transfiguration of anything until they transfix us to the holy in them. My heart is heavy with the brokenness of the world, and I've had some pretty incredible mountaintop moments recently in pursuit of a healing of that brokenness the communion that was served at an anti-racism conference I attended in the fall, where the communion table was set, and around the entire communion table sat people of color and members of the LGBTQ community and differently abled people. There were immigrants and refugees and indigenous people and those for whom English was not their first or their primary language. And watching that holy communion take place was mountaintop. It was mountaintop, a few weeks ago being in the presence of civil rights icon and author Brian Stevenson as he spoke about restorative justice. And then just a few days later, visiting his equal justice initiative in Montgomery and meeting others who shared my passion for racial reconciliation. It was a mountaintop experience many years ago when Andrew and I traveled to the General Assembly of the denomination and got to attend an interfaith worship service. To hear scripture read in Hebrew and interpreted by a rabbi. To sing a hymn in Arabic with a Presbyterian choir while a Muslim cantor sang all things bright and beautiful in harmony with the Arabic. To share a holy meal gathered around one big table with Presbyterians and Jews and Muslims. I hold those experiences close in my heart and I can close my eyes and I'm immediately back in the back seat of my mom parent's car and I can see my mom's face turning around from the front seat of the car and asking me, "What are you going to do to make those moments matter?" The transfiguration is just a moment. It reveals Jesus's divinity, and it begins to give the disciples eyes to see God's light in the chaos that is to come. Eventually, Jesus's disciples are going to have to learn how to live in a world without Jesus's bodily presence. Eventually, they're going to have to come down from the mountaintop, and they're going to have to remember what it felt like to be on that mountaintop and to be in Jesus's divine presence. What could they do so they could feel like that all the time? What might they do to make that moment on the mountaintop matter? What would need to happen so that the disciples would feel Jesus' presence no matter where they went or what they did? Perhaps you've had a divine mountaintop experience a transcendent, a counter with the divine that provides the strength and the sustenance to endure the world below, the world of the cross, the world that has the ability to break us and yet is never beyond God's redemption. I don't for a moment doubt that these moments exist, these blinding light moments that make everything else fade in comparison. And I believe in the holiness of the mountaintop experiences that are anything but a literal mountain, that are far from those blinding light moments, the ones that happen in classrooms or in boardrooms or in soup kitchens or anywhere that space is made for the holy to be present. I think of small holy moments, like the first time that I walked into this sanctuary where I was so overwhelmed by its beauty that it took my breath away And I could swear that I heard the Holy Spirit whisper, welcome home, in my ear. I think of the small moments like after the blessing of the longest night service here this past December, as I was cleaning up from communion when I was able to share some communion bread with our homeless friend, Michael, as he sat out in the breezeway, and we gave thanks to God together. I think of the holy moments like the stories that our youth share with us that very next day after they've already come down from the mountain and they tell us about what they learned and their mountaintop moments and create a mountaintop moment right here for all of us. The holy is in the big and the holy is in the small and absolutely everything in between. You see, the paradox of the transfiguration is this. It's a mystery. It's this otherworldly thing that doesn't make sense to our Western, civilized, 21st-century minds. And it's meant to be a tool for our, our understanding to make sense of our faith. It's a paradox in that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves from suffering, and there's also no way that we can shield ourselves from the light of God that sheds hope into the darkest moments. Theologian Marietta Madeline Anschutz writes, The moment of transfiguration is that point at which God says to the world and to each of us that there is nothing we can do to prepare for or stand in the way of joy or sorrow. We cannot build God a monument and we cannot keep God safe. We also cannot escape the light that God will shed on our path. We cannot escape God Emmanuel among us. God will find us in our homes And in our workplaces, God will find us when our hearts are broken and when we discover joy. God will find us when we run away from God and when we are sitting in the middle of what seems like hell. So listen and follow as Jesus says, get up and don't be afraid. Get up and don't be afraid as you consider the mountaintop moments in your lives. Think about those holy moments. What has made you feel like a blinding light of a transfiguration moment? What has been a holy moment in something small? Now what can you do to make those moments matter? What do we do with the mountaintop experiences of our lives in the everyday and in the here and now? The transfiguration on the mountaintop is just a moment But if we make it matter, it's not just a moment. It's just a moment of blinding light, and it's also something that changed the disciples forever. So what are the blinding light moments, big or small, that have changed you? How have we changed in the midst of these holy moments? Could it be that the transfiguration sheds light on us so that we can shine light into the broken world around us? May that be so. Amen.